You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Hey. Baby, I just checked out the new Hyundai Elantra. How was it? I have to say, it was a pretty smooth operator. Are you sure you're talking about a car? <laughs> it's a tech lover's dream. The digital key feature lets you lock and unlock the doors. And get this, with dynamic voice recognition, I can control the temperature, roll down the windows, and change radio stations just by talking. <laughs> I know you like that. <laughs> you too can talk to the all-new Hyundai Elantra. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Faith Life are the makers of Logos Bible Software and a cloud-based integrated ministry platform which includes ministry tools for worship presentations, online donations, and much more. They have 2 million registered users and are trusted by more than 10,000 churches. Faith Life is hiring full-stack developers and the majority of positions can be worked remotely. They have an average tenure of five years. They have over 200 Glassdoor reviews, averaging 4.7 stars. And it comes with benefits such as a competitive salary and unlimited vacation time. Apply to Faith Life today and write code that matters. Go to faithlife.com forward slash careers. That's faithlife.com forward slash careers. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Angelica, and joining me as always is my lovely co-host, Ryan. Say hey, Ryan. Hello, everyone. We are back for another Lovecraft Country recap. Today, we're discussing Holy Ghost, which was a really good episode. It was straight up and down horror, I think. What do you think, Ryan? Ryan. Yeah, um, I, I mean, it wasn't one of my favorite ones. It was still really good because this this show just has so many elements that make it good. But um, it was very to me, it was a very unnerving episode. Um, there was actually one. There's actually one more that I know we're getting to in the season that was, wor- yeah. that was probably a little bit more unnerving than this one. But for but for it being like the third episode, to me, it was unnerving. Like the third episode in the series so far that we've had. Yeah, when I watched it, I was scared. Um, a little bit. Just there was like a few moments I was like, yeah. "Ooh, I do not yeah. want to go to." Now you realize this is only the tip of the iceberg, but yeah, this was very scary to me. Yeah, you realize it's only just a little tip, but yeah, right. Yeah, in comparison to later episodes, this is nothing. I actually watched, you know, recapping this episode or going through my outline for this episode. I was like, "Oh, this ain't bad." Why was I scared? Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. When you do a rewatch, yeah, everybody from yeah. If you do a rewatch of it, you feel a little bit better. But at the time when it's first hitting you, you like, why right now? like it's it's very heavy yeah i was just thinking to myself like i need to watch this show in the daytime because before i would watch it like at like 12 o'clock at night and yeah, i was like, mm-hmm. time for that show. yeah that's what it's and then it's like if you're going to bed it's like really heavy yeah it's a lot of heavy stuff 
Yeah, it wasn't for me. So <laughs> let's dive into this episode. So I didn't have to do any bites. The show did it for me. It's divided by days. So we're going to go through each day piece by piece. So this isn't technically day one, but we open up at church. Uh, Letty is sitting there looking gorgeous with that beautiful floppy black you know, hat mm-hmm. at a church service. She looks numb. She's just sitting there. She's watching, you know, all these people worship and celebrate and she's clearly just not in it. And what I really liked from this scene was the voiceover. It was actually part of a Nike uh, commercial. <laughs> it was oh, their nice. be true. Yeah. It was their be true campaign. And um, it was inspired or actually they, they, literally just took the entire line from the commercial and it was inspired by this uh, dancer named Leomi Maldonado and she's also called Wonder Woman and she's like really huge in the ballroom world um, so the so the voiceover, I just wanted to go over it because I just thought it was, I mean, it was super fitting. You would never think that it was uh, <laughs> as a result of a Nike campaign, but it, mm-hmm. it, it fit. So basically she goes, hey, Lay, what did you do to make a mark on this world? What mountains did you climb? Which angels gave you their wings? Which skies have you flown? When you reached the heavens, who was there to catch you when you fall? And did they tell you that you saved them too? Like you saved me? They were mending their wings and holding them up to the sun. Just step back and watch you fly. So go ahead, lay fly. So when you watch the commercial, it's basically uh, lay preparing for the ballroom. And she inspired a ton of um, LGBTQ youth to, you know, be themselves and dance and, you know, be their true authentic selves. So I really enjoyed that. And the fact that they took that. And put that in the episode as kind of like almost like Letty's internal thoughts to a degree. And then you're watching these people dancing and swinging their arms like their wings. I don't know. It was I just really like the the tie in. Yeah, I think it was a it was a nice for 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 us knowing what happened. It was like a calmer way to kind of ease into that because your emotions are already still reeling from the the episode before. So it was it was definitely just like a kind of you know, reflecting, very Mm -hmm. calm, the way she was dressed, just kind of pulling you like right into it. So yeah, they did a very good job with that. Yeah. And I was expecting, you know, when we, when we have a church scene, I was actually kind of expecting, you know, maybe Uncle George's funeral, but we did not get to see the funeral. They kind of cut forward a few weeks ahead Mm -hmm. and we're just kind of seeing everybody deal with the aftermath or not just Uncle George's death, but everything that happened in Artem. Yeah. all the magic that they experienced and now they have to go back to normalize. So I thought that was interesting. Uh-huh. Um, so after, you know, Luddy's at service, the title card pops up. And now what I like about this episode title card is the picture of the house. Um, and then there's like roots down to the bottom and then there's a casket. And I was like, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. They get you with these title cards. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. So we then we get a, like a like a opening, just like you would in a horror film. And it's in the summer of 1955, a group of Negro men and women moved into a house on the north side of Chicago. Ten days later, three people went missing inside the house, never to be seen again. Pioneering is dangerous, dangerous. And then we flashed to day one. So mm-hmm. I was like, hmm, that gave me a sense of 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 threat of thread, like. 
or dread, I should say, because I'm like, okay, black people are going into a house and then three people go missing, never to be seen again. This ain't good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you already know that already kind of sets the tone. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they have a cool way. Like what I like about the series of um, giving you that mystery off the top and you think, you know, what's going down, but it's still like, by the time you're done, you're still shocked. So I love the way they kind of subtly put that stuff in. Yeah, definitely went a different way than we expected. Um, and then we see like a white hand, just like an, oh, no, a white hand, like a hand in a horror film of a white woman. And she like pulls back the curtain, like, and then you hear the music like screech, like, eh, eh. and it's just two black girls walking down the street, just slutty and Ruby. <laughs> but they're fussing with each other. Um, Letty's trying to convince her sister that. You know, something's great's about to happen. You always gave me money. I want to take care of you, big sis. I have a surprise for you. And Ruby's like, "What? why you got me in this neighborhood? I have to go back to Hippo- uh, Hippolyta's. I got to watch D at two. And she's like, no, 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 no. What if I could tell you that you'll never pay rent again? You don't have to worry about money ever again. And Ruby's like, girl, what are you talking about? And then they happen upon this beautiful yet very scary looking house. Letty apparently uh, hit the numbers. Uh, she now has a ton of money and she decided to buy this house as a way to integrate into this community, make it a safe haven for black folks, yada, yada, yada. Ruby's not convinced. She's like, uh-uh, where you get this money from? And at the time she doesn't tell her, but we know, well, we are told later that, it, that she hit the numbers. So she's and like, also, come on. If I interject here a little bit. You said what now? I said also, if I interject a little bit here in the book, um, which by the way is called Dreams of the Witch House in the book, um, you actually get to see Letty, which I thought they don't really have enough time for that. I guess it's like TV for you, but you actually get to Mm -hmm. see Letty and Ruby kind of go around and search for like the different houses and stuff, which I thought was interesting. You know, like I said, obviously on TV, you probably don't have time for that. Um, which I thought that was kind of, and then in the book, they tell you, and we obviously know it's for another reason, but that they're given that Letty and Ruby are given the money, um, by like an anonymous man who's given them money, um, you know, that was owed to them due to their late father. So I thought that was like an interesting, like little twist that kind of pulled and turned around from the book. Okay. Yeah. So they made it more like something that Letty sprung on Ruby instead mm-hmm. of them house hunting together, which eh, yeah, I yeah. think I think I could have been saved from the HGTV episode of them trying to find a house. I think right, they- right. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not as exciting, yeah, like in the book. But yeah, if you're curious to get a little bit of like how they was housed, if you're actually curious about that, you can find it in the book. All right, all right. Well, uh, Ruby's like, where did the money come from? As you said in the book, it was an anonymous white person. Um <laughs> on the show thus far, we just know that it came from her hitting the numbers. And right. it just, it's just a little suspicious. But she convinces Ruby, like, hey, this could be a way for us to bond as sisters. Like, let's do this together. We can, we can, this can be a boarding home. So Ruby's like, okay, as long as I get the biggest room. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, fair deal. Yeah, You're good with I mean, that. For me, yeah. Right. And then so Letty shows her around the house and she tells her there's an elevator and she opens up the elevator door and we get our first scare. So the elevator nearly takes her head off. Like it just comes down from the heavens. And I was like, oh, I'll be using the steps. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy scene. All right. We get our first like screech. Um, but later we see, Hippo- um, I always want to say Hippolyta. That's how you traditionally say it, but her name is Hippolyta. So Hippolyta pulls out Uncle George's favorite book, which is Dracula. 
it's all it's been a few weeks it's been about three weeks since the funeral and she slowly opens it up tears start to swell up in her eyes and then you see her start to rip the pages out and i was like oh okay she's definitely holding some anger there um and and tick and d are trying to make breakfast and have like a normal morning but then d stops short because she sees the empty placemat of her father um so clearly they're all trying to move on with their lives but it's not quite the same obviously um they're all adjusting and then we notice there's kind of some tension between tick and hippolyta uh he's like washing the dishes and he leaves the mug like up and then Hippolyta turns it over so it can dry. And she just seems like bothered by his presence. It's just something's off. So it turns out that Hippolyta is a copy editor along, was a copy editor along with Uncle George. And the travel guide's a month behind. And obviously it's a month behind because George just died. So Tick tells her, you know, the the editor or the, the copyright company or whatever they're called, publishing house called. Um, and he went ahead and sent sent off whatever edits were needed. And Hippolyta was like, wait a second, I didn't even get to look at them. He's like, oh, they look fine to me. And she just kind of was like, okay, all right, that's fine. They start to eat. D wants to go scrapping or go to a scrap yard f- to find parts for robots. Uh, so she's very into sci-fi. And uh, <laughs> the robot pieces will definitely come into play later on this season uh, in an unexpected way. But Tick tells her, like, hey, I can't spend the night tonight. I got to go take care of some things. And she's like, well, why? You've been here for weeks. And he's like, eh, I got to take care of business. And obviously, he doesn't really feel welcome there. Or not that he doesn't feel welcome. He just knows he's overstated. So it that's tough, dealing with grief and dealing with loss. Um, so I think the yeah, show did a – go ahead. I was gonna say yeah, and then when they have such a such a close relationship too, it's hard because you can obviously tell that she knows something or something's not right, you know. But be beyond just the grief, mm-hmm. um, by their interaction. So yeah, that's that. Yeah, I feel bad. I feel bad for Tick on that one. He was trying. Yeah, he was trying. He made them eggs and he was washing them dishes wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Tick finds a very drunk Montrose in his apartment, and his eyes linger on the Count of Monte Cristo, and there's a picture of his mother there. And then Montrose is like kind of like uttering something unintelligible and Tick ends up throwing water on him. He's like, boy, what, what, what you doing? <laughs> so I thought that was a funny yeah, scene. That's pretty much, yeah, yeah, he pretty much freaked out. I mean, he has a lot of those moments. Montrose is just, I don't know, he's a piece of work as like the this, this series goes. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I guess you kind of get to understand him a little bit. But yeah, he's a, yeah, I don't know. He's like, a, he a piece of work. I don't know how Tick do it. <laughs> he's a mess.com. Yeah. Um but we learned that those ramblings are something that that Tick understands. Apparently, um, it's a story that Uncle George told pretty often um, about what happened to them at the night of the the Tulsa the Tulsa riots. Um, what we know as uh, the the massacre at Black Wall Street. So uh, they were surrounded by a bunch of white men, George and Montrose, when they were children. And basically all hope was lost. Like this was the end for them. And suddenly the stranger comes out of nowhere, swinging a bat like Jackie Robinson. And as, as uh, tech puts it, he swings home runs on their heads <laughs> and saves their lives. And before he leaves, he says, I got you kid. Um, and then Tick's kind of like, I wish the stranger had popped up. We needed him at Artem. So I was like, okay, interesting. And once again, I do like the kind of parallels between Watchmen and Lovecraft Country because the Tulsa mm-hmm. riots were a big part 
of that series. And now we're seeing hints and bits of it in uh, Lovecraft Country. So I thought that was pretty cool that that part of history is not being hidden any longer. Yep, yep. And I like I like to, um, if you do, like I say, this show, this show needs a rewatch, just like I did a lot with Watchmen too. Um, I didn't even make some of those connections. Like when I went back and looked at this episode, I was like, oh, I see what they were trying to do on some of the, like some of the first episodes mm-hmm. that I didn't really connect. So yeah, yeah, it was, it was really well done how they put these little nuggets in and out every episode. Yeah, there's really no throwaway dialogue with this show. Um, everything seems to be connected and there seems to be a reason behind it. So mm-hmm. you really have to pay attention. You can't, this is not a show where you can be on your phone. Like you, right. you're going to miss so much. Um, so Tick asked to stay on with Montrose. He's like, you know, I know I overstayed my welcome with Hippolyta. Um, he's like, it's just odd staying there knowing that they don't know the full truth. And Montrose is like, look, we agreed on this. The hot-headed sheriff shot George. Hippolyta saw his body. We had a funeral. That's the end of it. And Tick's like, I don't know. Like, I don't think Uncle George would like this. And he's like, slams his hand on the table. And clearly Montrose and Tick have a very sordid history. Montrose is extremely abusive towards Tick. So that right there set Tick off. He's like, yeah, I'm not staying here no more. Deuces. Um, And this is all because Montrose just wants to protect the family. He doesn't want Hippolyta to know that white people have magic. (laughs) Like, he doesn't want to bring that to them. But uh, I'm with Tick. She deserves to know the truth. Yeah, they might as well. The way this episode kept unfolding in future episodes, yeah, they would have just came out better not listening to Montrose and been like, okay, look, we need to sit down and have a conversation. Absolutely. So day two is upon us and it's moving day. Letty is delighted to have her new borders. They're moving things in. They struggling though because the elevator's down and they have three flights. Uh, (laughs) And and Letty tells them like, look, it's hard to find a, a colored elevator technician. Like, we're gonna have to do yeah, what we do. You always forget that in this show. I'll be like, man, I forgot what time period it is. Cause at first you're looking at it like, why don't she just go ahead and fix the elevator? But then you see like, all right, I forgot the time period. Yeah, definitely. And and they in a white neighborhood. They on the north side of Chicago. Yeah, true. yeah. yeah. Um, so she's taking pictures. She's you know, Letty does what Letty does, takes pictures, all happy, go lucky. She walks downstairs, take pictures, and then tick pops up. And she's just like, Oh, hey, stranger, haven't seen you in a while. Um, and, and it's obvious they've avoided each other. They haven't seen each other. She says it's been three weeks, you know, I haven't seen you. And he's just like, yeah, I just came to say goodbye. I heard you hit the numbers. Um, I'm going to go back to Florida. And she's just like, no, don't go. I, you know, I'm having a really big housewarming. Uh, there's a room here that hasn't been rented out yet. Just, just stay on for a little bit longer. And he's like, nah, I told my boss I'd be gone for a couple of days and it's, it's been a month. So, you know, they say their goodbyes. And then they hear some horns. Apparently the white people aren't too happy about a bunch of black people moving into this house. Uh, Tick even said like, oh, you smart because you're moving in on Sunday where you know everybody's going to be at church. Well, apparently not. Uh, (laughs) So they go outside and there's three white guys outside of their cars. They put bricks on their horns and tied them up so that the horns would be blaring nonstop. And as they're doing this, the cops roll on by and they don't do or say anything. They're so cavalier. And it's very clear that they are not welcome in this neighborhood and they want them out. So Tick agrees to stay on just a little bit longer. At the end of the day, he's still a protector. He still cares about Letty. So he's going to, he's going to make that housewarming party. 
So, oh, I forgot my music, my music number. I went. <laughs> All right, go ahead, jump uh, in. Uh, God, I think it's God been God been good to me by the Mighty Walker Brothers was played while they were moving in. Only okay. thing I was able to find was this is a this is a group that's been in gospel for like forty years. So y'all let us know if y'all got any other things y'all can add to that. That's only thing I was able to find. Okay, there's a lot of gospel this episode. I noticed. Right, right, yeah. So there's my little there's my little gospel number for y'all that was added in there. <laughs> All right, no worries. Praise them. All right, so we go. <laughs> We go to day five, um, and Letty awakens like she's hot, and it's it's a, it, I don't know if it's a hot day or if it's hot in the house, but she awakens and she's sweaty, and her covers get pulled off. Oh, yeah. I don't know do about you. Do you think they messed up to turn off her air? Maybe she doesn't have any. Because I thought maybe they did something. You know, some of the white guys did something so where they were like burning up. But maybe oh, we'll I was just reading too much into it. No, we'll get to that. It was definitely intentional. Um, but like the whole like effect of you laying in your bed and you Ooh, by yourself. Yeah. And your sheets come off of you and you ain't pulling on them. That is a very common uh, uh, scare tactic in these horror films. And yeah, I still don't yeah. like it. Uh, me as a grown woman, that means she been too scared of her life. Yeah, Letty was like, oh, she was a little like, what's going on? And then you see this this ghastly figure pop its head up. I mean, mean, at first it's not ghastly. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what the word for it was. It was bad. Like, I didn't even want to look at it. I was like, "Mm, no, let's go to the next scene. Yeah, you just see a black woman pop her head up and you're like, okay, maybe it's one of her borders or like who's in her room and then she pops her head up more and like half her face is gone or it's like her jaw is like hanging yeah. off so it's a no for me yeah yeah it's 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 a gory i mean this is a horror episode <laughs> so mm-hmm. letty looks up she's like who's there and she looks around and the ghost or the the creature or the woman is gone so i was like okay so she goes downstairs apparently the broiler was turned up in the basement so that's why the house was so hot and you know they could still hear the horns outside so she you know she fixes it but she's in the basement at this point and she starts to hear noises so she kind of investigates Aunt Letty was acting like a white woman here because I would not <laughs> I'd be like oh there's noises I'm going upstairs yeah she you could tell she's been in that uh adventurous I don't know kind of world a little bit because yeah I would have stopped I don't know why she kept going as soon as I heard like a, a bang, anything, I'm like, yep, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. The Hyundai Elantra is a tech-savvy, smooth operator designed just for you. The Hyundai Elantra is a compact sedan with available class-exclusive features like a digital key that unlocks your car with your phone and a 10.25-inch infotainment touchscreen along with dynamic voice recognition that will let you control the radio and adjust the temperature with your voice. For the young at heart who like to drive smart, introducing the Elantra with the most flavor yet. Seamless tech experience that puts your phone at the center of everything you do. Locking, unlocking, and starting your car designed for better living without breaking the bank learn more at hyundai.com right like i don't know what she was thinking uh, she she was curious so she she started poking around the basement and there was, appears to be like almost like a trap door and boom 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 there's like looks like there's someone underneath they're trying to get out and that's when she decides to run <laughs> yeah yeah finally you like oh, okay now you want to run all right 
all right, get get with it, get into it. So she gets her back up. She gets Tick to come downstairs and he's looking around and he's like, you know what? I do believe there was someone down here. Um, someone did mess with the broiler. It was it was the white guys. They're, they're just using scare tactics, uh, scare tactics to get you out of here. You know, don't fall for it. But you know, what? I'm gonna stay guard down here tonight. Don't worry about it. And you would think, considering all that they went through in Artem, that the possibility of ghosts would be a reality for them. But Tick's like, no, it's the white guys. So we go with it. We're like, okay, Tick, you be the man. So now we go to day eight. It's the day of the housewarming party. Letty is not going to be stopped. She's going to pack that house full of everybody from the south side. Her neighbors be damned. And so she attends to her guests. And I do like the little sprinkles of history throughout this episode because all the guests are discussing about this up and coming preacher named Martin, who's going to jumpstart the movement. And then there's these rumors going around that he was engaged to a white woman. (laughs) They're like, no, no, no. He was against the white woman, but they made him married a colored woman. And they're like, oh, okay. And then Lenny makes this interesting point. She says, okay, well, just because he lay with a white woman or loved a white woman doesn't mean he can't stand up for colored people, okay? And I just want to touch on that point. So yeah. a lot of times you see, uh, especially like with rappers lately, so they're, they're, they're very like conscious rappers. So we're looking at like Kendrick Lamar, um, even um, Childish Gambino. So these are very like black and proud men. They speak on the culture. They speak on what's happening to their people. And with Kendrick, his his girlfriend was too light-skinned, right? Uh, with Childish Gambino, he's with a white woman. So he can't possibly be pro-black because he's with a white person, right? And I'm like, hmm. I'm kind of with Letty on this. And I really personally can't really say anything about it because my dad married my mom, who is a, a a very light Puerto Rican, like she can pass for white. So for me, I'm like, what a man does for his people, I don't feel like it necessarily has to do with who he goes to bed with every night. But there are people out there that think you can't be pro-black and be with someone that isn't black. So... That's a debate yeah. for another day, but yeah. apparently yeah, Luddy's like, you know, but yeah, you just told me something new. Yeah. 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 It's a thing. Um, so like I said, like I'm with Luddy just because you love someone that isn't black doesn't mean you can't be pro black, but some people yeah, will definitely think, disagree. Yeah, with I think me. you probably need to probably base it more off what they say and, uh, and you know, some like their other actions, not necessarily who they love, but you know, I mean, right. this is the world of social media and Instagram and stuff. So people mm-hmm. just, you know, want to find any way to kind of cancel you on some stuff. So yeah. Exactly. Poor Michael B. Jordan. He began the business. Supposedly he don't like. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan Michael. was another one. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. But you know what it is. I'm like that. I don't got nothing to do with it. As long as he's not putting down black women in the process. Yeah, okay. that's when you get into issues. Yeah, when you start putting down women of color because that is what you're doing. Yeah, that's when you get into problems. But other than that, yeah. But you know, right. I guess like you said, that's a discussion for another day. And that's definitely discussion for another day because we could talk about this for hours. So <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> um, so everyone's dancing, they're having a good old time. And Ruby's actually one of the starring attractions at this party. She's singing Boogie at Midnight, which is a song by Roy Brown. And I was getting into it. I was like, okay, all right, yeah. Ruby. Do your thing, girl. So you said what now? 
I said, yeah, Letty was the bartender. They was having fun. And it's yeah, they was having a good old time. Hippolyta brought some food, honey. She's there. She's like, you know, people keep bringing me all this food, you know, because George is gone. I can't eat it all. So I'm going to bring this over to your house. So apparently, you know, everything's cool. But she's basically confessing to Letty that Tick was getting on her nerves. (laughs) (laughs) What? Tick was getting on her nerves? Come on now. Tick was getting on her nerves and he was putting the cup, you know, the mug the wrong way to dry and, you know, all that good stuff. So um, and then she's like, hey, where's D? Now, this scene was interesting. So Dee's downstairs in the basement with her friends and they're playing with the Ouija board, which I do not play with. Yeah, you don't never play. Don't ever get in a circle with your friends and play on the Ouija board. I'm just trying to tell you right now. No, ma'am. You're going to bring spirits into the house. No, thank you. I don't want to keep it away from me. I'm good. Um, but they don't know any better. So they're playing with this Ouija board thinking it's just it's a game. It's not a game. It's real. And um, one of Dee's friends, Bobo, Asked the Ouija board, will I have a good trip this summer? The Ouija board says no. Fun fact. So the little boy is dressed in a white button up and then he's wearing a tie, a black tie that has like some white um, accents on it. It's the same exact outfit that Emmett Till wore in his famous picture, right? The one when he was alive. Yeah. And his nickname was Bobo. So, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I didn't even think, there you go. Right. See, another little nugget they're dropping, little nugget, little Easter egg. So, people pointed out like Bobo, same outfit that has to be Emmett Till, and obviously, that trip he's taking this summer is the trip he took down south where a white woman lied on him and accused him of mm-hmm. flirting with her, which led to him being murdered. Yeah, but. That's also something that gets addressed later in the series and something everyone should should read up on because mm-hmm. that shit made me mad. But I'm going to move right along. Right? Yeah, I second that. Yep. Um, so then the, another boy asks the spirits who they're talking to. And they spell out George. At this point, D is pissed. She's like, stop it, guys. That's not funny. And they're like, we didn't do it. Obviously, there's some presence down in that basement that knows a thing or two. Um, so they get they get up out of there. Well, D does. Um, so as Hippolyta uh, is looking for D, a door just mysteriously opens, just mysteriously opens, and reveals an orrery. I really don't know what it is. It's some type of globe thingy, but it looks fun. So- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks like some kind of like space thing. Like it reads different moons or something. I don't know. It's very weird. Like some kind of weird space instrument is what it looks like to me. Like yeah, read astrology or something like that. Exactly, and we'll definitely also revisit the or orrery. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's gonna be a tongue twister as we keep having to mention it. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, Tick walks into the house all in his uniform. I'm like, okay, I see you. I see you, Jonathan. He was, off at his party. he was doing too much. He, he was he was shipping out, huh? Oh, he was shipping out. <laughs> no, no. Uh, and Ruby is back at it again. She's singing, is you or is you ain't my baby? And I just love that. I just <laughs> love the song. Is you or is you ain't my baby? And yep. it's a song written by Louise Jordan and Billy Austin. It's a bunch of famous covers. Frank Sinatra covered it. Dinah Washington covered it. Joe Jackson covered it. And obviously Ruby covered it for this episode. Yep. So lots of lots of music and history I like sprinkled all, out. Uh, Ruby's music numbers. 
Yes, yes, Ruby's definitely doing it. Um, <laughs> so he spots her, and well, he's Tick spots Letty, and Letty's dancing very suggestively, uh, very dirty dancing, uh, hot and heavy with a guest. And he runs into Tree, and Tree's like, "So is that you know? Is that you? Are y'all like a thing?" Tree, uh, I tell you. Tree getting on my nerves. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, because you know, if you're not going to claim her, me and her used to tussle back in high school. <laughs> and Tick's like, dude, get in my face. And he's like, well, yep. you better go ahead and claim the girl because she's definitely out there doing her thing. So uh, <laughs> he's watching her and then she ends up going to the bathroom. And throughout this whole episode, Letty's obviously been feeling away. She's feeling numb. She's not herself. She goes in the bathroom. She washes her face off. And we see in the mirror another ghostly figure. And I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to her now? <laughs> right. But luckily, Tick comes to the rescue. He comes into the bathroom and, and the ghost disappears. And they don't even say a word. They don't say nothing to each other. He closes the door and they get it on on that bathroom sink. I was like, oh, okay. This one's <laughs> That's what he knew he was doing before he showed up in a uniform. Right? Because women love a man in a uniform. But I was like, oh, 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 that's what we're doing? Okay. Um, <laughs> my, my butt will be uncomfortable. But hey, I, I'm 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 all for a, an exciting sexual encounter. I mean, my head probably would have hit the window. I, I'm just not built for that type of spontaneous sex. I'm just not. I'd be like, ooh, my butt hit the, the faucet. Or, oh, my head hit the glass. But they was doing it. Not mad. Not mad at it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, and it, it was short, you know, nothing against Tick, but it, it didn't last very long, but it was hot and it no, was you happy. you didn't bring up the length of this, okay? You know I there did. were things going on in this scene. No, you did not just do that to him. I did bring up the length. I'm not saying that Tick can't oh, do his thing. Had to do it. I'm just saying it wasn't that long. Give wow. him a second round. That's all. Hey, hey, I mean, hey. We just taking shots on Tick for this uh, nugget right here. We just want to tell y'all for this bite. Uh, we just taking shots for Tick. We just- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tick. But anyways, so, you know, uh, they, they have their quick interlude. And um, there's blood, apparently. There's blood. So uh, we as viewers just assume, like, oh, she got on her period. And and Luddy says as much. Like, oh, I didn't know my cycle was on. I think we've all been there. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. And he leaves. And then um, Luddy starts to cry. And so it looks like she's finally feeling something. Yeah. That spell finally broke. So downstairs, Ruby's discussing her drive. And she's like, you know, I'm trying to work at Marshall Fields, but this is really fancy department store that she's been applying for for years. And she's always getting turned down. And she's like, well, if more black people had my drive, we would be further along. And I was like, mm, I don't know about all that, Letty. I mean, Ruby, but go ahead, girl. Go off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So while they're discussing this, they notice that there's a freaking cross burning in the front yard. <laughs> Like, them neighbors have had enough of them. They want them out. And you know what? You know who else has had enough? Letitia fucking Lewis. Yep. (laughs) She ready to go. So she grabs a bat. She heads outside. The men fall behind her. They grab their shotguns. And she starts banging it out. Banging out the windows. Banging off the bricks. And uh, (laughs) the, the music that starts to play is Take It Back by Dorinda Clark. So it's gospel playing as she's smashing up these white men's windows. And the best part of the song was make the devil mad. And these are the devils and she's pissing them off. So I was like, yes, get it. 
let it out. So I thought this was like one of the more, more iconic moments of the series. Just yeah, and that's what I learned about um, Journey too. Like she does those scenes so well. Like the way she's with the like the walk, everything. Like she can just really sink into those scenes. So that's why it's so much fun to watch her. But yeah, those that was one of my favorite. Um, like about a series. That's probably like one of my. I probably got a couple more. So I put like maybe I go like three. Like one of my three moments. But yeah, I love seeing her do that. That was such a great scene. It was, and the men were backing her up. And the best part, actually, the second best part was when Ruby came out. The cops were coming. Ruby came out with the car, and then the the men threw the shotguns yeah, in the back. The men were pretty dope in this scene too, because you you always wonder, like, oh, I always know. I wondered in the back of my head, like, when stuff like this happens, how exactly you know was it was it in some people's heads to just kind of run and pack it up because they were scared. You know, I always wondered how they handle certain scenes like this because you know when the cops come, I mean, shoot, it's evident that it's still going on today. You know, when they come, whose side are they gonna take? Exactly. So I've always wondered how they how they structured those things, like what exactly happened. So I like the way they showed what the men do, what the men did. You know, Ruby pulling up. You know, they had everything just strategically planned. Um, you know, because like like you said, it's like only so much you can take. Like Lydia had enough. Exactly. And <laughs> fun fact, I was actually in a situation like that back hmm. in my younger years. Yeah, hmm. I pulled yeah, okay. up. I pulled a Ruby. Um, see what had happened was I also lived in a house with a bunch of black folks. Uh, mm-hmm. I had like four guy roommates and one girl roommate and we had a party and it got a little crazy and a brother was called. Like somebody pushed some girl or told a girl mm-hmm. something she didn't want to hear. So she called her brothers and her brothers came with heat and apparently mm-hmm. my roommates had heat too. So, uh, <laughs> oh, there <you> <laughs> Yeah, it was like that. I, I I was I was I had a little crazy uh early twenties. Um and so like the cops <laughs> the cops I think I'm no, I was like nineteen, twenty. Yeah, I was twenty. The the cops got called and so I took the guns, child. I took the guns and I ran downstairs, I wiped them off and I hid them in the dryer. <laughs> and then I ran upstairs and jumped in the car with the boys and we took off. <laughs> Man, see now see, you know, you hold them back on us. You know exactly what Ruby was trying to do. Yes, honey. I was a rider back in the day. Never again, though. But that incident caused me to move out of that house because I was like, I'm I mean, not yeah, about to get I shot. Move out too. Yeah, yeah. I say that's a good, uh, good moving day next day. Yeah, like I was a thug, but I wasn't like a thug. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you wasn't trying to fully embrace the thug, guys. So you You're just, right. Like what day? Like, like a day. That's enough. So I'm done now. Yeah, I was like, let me go back to the suburbs. Let me let, let me go back to the hood. I mean, back hey, to my hood, hey, not the hood. <laughs> Uh, you know sometimes you just you just step it up after that you like okay i'm ready i'm done if they did tell me i was a rider they were like you a rider i was like yes i'm moving oh, see, out there you go, see that's how you get y'all title quick y'all and then just move up you know move up to the suburbs girl i moved back with my parents <laughs> i was like my <laughs> daddy take me home take me back hey either one you know you got your title so you gotta go now you know yeah. step up in life keep it moving yeah, shortly thereafter, me and my tick broke up. But yeah, 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 good times. Um, <laughs> you, know, you hold them back on us. You got all the details of they like, so you hold them back. You, you know exactly what your character's going through. Mm-hmm. I'm an upstanding citizen now, though. I'm not a gangster no more. Uh, <laughs> you needed the title for that day, and now you moved up. I moved up. So, um, so yeah, back to your point about the black men protecting Letty, standing behind her, and then they have a plan set up in case the cops come. Uh, somebody brings out a jacket for Letty. It was almost like a James Brown moment, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> she like did okay, all this. James Brown moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, the gospel played in the background, and then they give her her jacket, and then she gets on her knees. You know, you know how James will pass out like, oh, and they would put 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 the uh, oh the cape. Lord, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> 
can't hold them so uh they all put their hands up but letty's the one that's taken away she's in the back of this paddy wagon uh the the very racist captain lancaster starts to question her about her dealings he's like you know you clearly have a criminal history now she was arrested for civil unrest okay she was out here helping her people but let the white folks sell it um and so she's just like oh okay and he's like yeah the neighbors are complaining about you and she's like well did you get my 50 plus complaints about the harassment perpetrated against me they're like we didn't get no complaints so obviously the law is not on her side uh but the captain asked her some questions he's like so you know what's going on with your in your house huh and she's like huh he was like who told you to buy the winthrop home do you know anything about that house? And as she's questioning her, you know, she doesn't have a seatbelt. She's not holding on to nothing. She's handcuffed. They are just tossing her around the back of that paddy wagon like a rag doll as they driving through these streets all reckless. Um, and she gets all bloodied up. I was like, you know what? That's a lady. <laughs> Sir, yeah, they, calm yeah, down. Told you, yeah, they don't care. I was just mad. Like, I was just mad because you just like Lady. But if you think about it, a time period and what we already saw, I mean, it doesn't really shock you. You just, you wish there was like some decent people, but you like, okay. It's par for the course. Um, right. The cops are, I mean, to this day, they're still racist. But back then, there was really nothing. Yeah, yeah. You just hope there was like one decent person, but you like, mm, does it really shock me? Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. We also saw how that went down in Watchmen. So, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So the cop tells her that there's definitely something amok in her home. Uh, eight Negro bodies were found in the basement. And he's like, based off of that history, you're not going to survive in that house. And I was like, oh, okay. Flash to day nine. So <laughs> Letty is looking at photos that she took when they first moved into the house. And she decides to put them all together. And when she lines them up, a face forms. And that thing appears. Like, it just, it, like, comes up out of the pictures. This big, ghostly face. And it tells her, Uh. get the fuck out of my house. And I'm like, oh, I'm out. I'm moving. I'm going by. I'm going back to the south side. (laughs) Like, that was a lot. Uh, It's Lady So. Yeah, you know, she she's used to magic. So she runs out. The boarders leave. Nothing to do with the ghosts. Just the fact that they now have a target on their back for pissing off the white neighbors. They're like, we out. And Ruby is pissed. She's like, we cannot afford the mortgage on this house. Like, I told you this was a bad idea. And Letty's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got, I got money left over from Mama's inheritance. And she's like, what? You got inheritance from Mama? Mama don't have no money. And she's like, well, apparently she does. And she's like, wait a second, you never even went to her funeral. I've taken care of you for years. I've given you money and you couldn't even tell me. And she's like, and first of all, you're just as bad as mama. You're actually worse because mama acts like she's, she's, mama basically admits she's selfish. You act like you're not. And you didn't even split the money between me and our brother, Marvin. Like, who are you? And you just like, she has a point. Uh, Letty ain't exactly... A, a selfless person it seems like everything she did was with the motivation you know she said she wanted to help the black community but ruby points out the people at her home were her artist friends she didn't split the money with with her sister or her brother like mm, that's a little foul yeah i don't but i i personally um this was on my one of my favorite scenes because i i kind of felt like as the series goes this it really explains i didn't like that rift between letty and ruby 
that uh this scene created um because i i really feel like had their relationship but a little bit of different as the series gone it could have you know i mean you gotta have the drama you gotta have it for the yeah. show where it going where the plot glows but i kind of felt like it would have helped you know either one of them you know that i not have this ripped as the series goes but i mean you kind of see like where they go with it but I don't know this this personally not like I don't see what Ruby's saying but this personally to me was not my favorite scene I was like oh I can't take this like I just hate the rift between them between both of them yeah well I mean we kind of need it uh <laughs> it'll play yeah, out later I mean, on yeah we need it yeah yeah we need it but yeah I don't know it's just hard for me because I like that cute like and maybe because I'm like an older sister I just like that the sister relationship the cute sister relationship they have mm-hmm. yeah but I mean if my little sister kept money from me from our parents or our mother i'd be kind of pissed too ain't gonna lie <laughs> like i'd be like so... yeah and they got like a checker yeah that family it's like a lot going on in that family that i mean i wish i i wish they had time to tell us some more because you really don't get all the deets but yeah, yeah. They, they got some struggles they got some struggles it seems like just from what we know on the show letty does not take the same name as her mother uh, she's half siblings mm-hmm. with Marvin and with Ruby. She's light skin. They're brown skin or dark skin. They had it harder. Letty just kind of been spoiled all her life and taken care of. So that mm-hmm. alone would probably piss me off as an older sibling. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I get why Ruby's hurt. Yeah, it's just hard. I don't know. You just seeing it play out, but yeah, you get it. It's not like you don't understand why what where mm-hmm. where Ruby's coming from. Yeah, that Ruby has the point, and I think to a degree, Letty didn't mean any harm, but that's usually the case with selfish people that kind of think about themselves and they don't realize how their actions affect other people. So no, I don't mm-hmm. think Letty was being malicious, but it still hurt her sister. So yeah. We'll yeah. S- we'll see how that goes. Um, so later mm-hmm. on that day, Montrose shows up to Hippolyta's to spend time with D um, and he helps her with the groceries and a copy of Dracula falls out. So clearly hip felt bad about tearing up, George's favorite book so she got herself a new copy um and they start to talk and she starts to probe Montrose she's just like I know you say the sheriff shot him and I know you took care of that vile man and I saw the gunshot wound but I have a feeling there's something you're not telling me and Montrose is like I don't know what you're talking about like it is what it is and she's just like I don't know something's wrong and he's like what's wrong and she's like something something's off so who knows how long it's going to be before the real truth of george's death comes out but hippolyta is a smart woman so they best start telling her something soon just my thoughts so we cut to day 10 uh, tick meets Letty at a bar as she does research on the house and this cute little line she's like tick my house is haunted duh uh (laughs) she met you know it took her a minute it's a girl minute. So she mentions that the realtor, JJ, was kind of cagey about giving her any history about the house. But she does learn about the Winthrop house. She doesn't know anything about the Winthrops themselves. But the previous owner was a scientist named Hiram Epstein, who was fired for illegal experimental practices. So she tells him about the eight bodies in the basement. And she also tells him that Captain Lancaster, who was questioning her about the house, knew Hiram, and he was a lead detective in all these missing persons cases of these, you know, missing colored people. So Tick is like, so you think that Lancaster was giving Hiram bodies? And she's like, yes. And there's restless spirits up in my house. Um, 
So Ticket's like, well, if Uncle George was here, he would tell us them spirits are not going to stop knocking until you join them on the other side. So I think you should move out. And it's just Tick being protective of her. And she ends up confessing to him that the night of the housewarming was her first time. And he's like, first time what? She's like, my first time? He's like, oh, Letty. And just think about it. Would you want your first time to be on the bathroom sink at a house party? Listen, Probably not. ain't nothing typical about this couple. I'm just <laughs> hanging it up. It is what, hey, that's going to be their first time because ain't nothing typical. Right. So, you know, the, the period blood wasn't period blood. That was her first time blood, right? Um, And she tells him, like, you know, it's okay. Don't apologize. I needed that. I needed to feel something. Um, so she tells him like, you know, I, I, we went to Artem, we, we came back, we never talked about it. The world that I knew is not real. It's different now. And it terrified me, but now I can't live in fear and I have to face this new world and stake my claim and I got to make my mark. And I was like, yes, Letty, tell them, tell that house. (laughs) Um, so that night they bring in a priestess to purge the house. Uh, she slaughters a goat. Very graphic. Uh, and you and uses its blood to seal a protection spell on the house. Um, and then she goes around the house to kind of feel for the presence in order to purge the house of the ghost. So she feels a presence in the basement. Um, and she tells Tick and Lady to form a circle around her. They hold hands. And she tells them not to let go. Uh, so she begins to chant an incantation to bring forth the spirits in order to cleanse the home. So as this ritual begins, three white neighbors break in. The white guys have been terrorizing them the whole time. And the two two of them are actually trapped in a room and they're tormented by the spirits. And I see this giant man in a basketball uniform with the head of a baby. So that was terrifying. Um <laughs> Yeah, and I got something about that, but I, I don't know if I should do it after you finish this whole scene because it's all kind of grouped together, probably. Um, If you want to just jump in it, go ahead. Um, All right, so basically, I had to do my research on this scene. Guy. Well, actually, just this ghost in particular because this is what really disturbed me about this whole episode. Okay. Uh, where I took a couple of days and I was like, I can't get this image out of my head. It was way mm. too much. Mm-hmm. But um, creator uh, Misha Green basically talked about, um, and you know she don't want to give us like she don't give us like all the little tips and stuff because you know it's you know being the creator she want to give us everything. Right. But um, I saw her interview where she talked about how um, you know they want to go into like the the mythology of Hiram and you know what would he do if um, you know he had the opportunity to, to experiment on people and play with sending them back in time. You know like what body parts will come back that would be mm-hmm. different. And how her effects team just kind of took it to that level, you know, where you get like the baby sound effects and everything. Um, and, you know, it also plays off the um, the Tuskegee, you know, experiments and everything like mm-hmm. that. Um, but, yeah, I just thought I just kind of did a little research on that because that stuff really disturbed me. Like, I couldn't look at that no more. Like, and when you throw in like all the other little elements of the scene, that one really got to me. I was like, Ugh, I got to go back and look at this again. But, yeah, that that to, that to me was like a deep moment and really got me into the whole like pull me into the whole horror element of this episode i don't know if for some reason i can't even explain it because they did have some other scarier moments in this episode but it was just so freaky to me i was just like what is happening right now like the way it pulls you out of that moment a little bit just to see that and then like the baby i mean the guy the dude with the baby ghost head going around doing other stuff too within the Mm -hmm. episode was just like what is happening 
But yeah, yeah. So that's my little two cents on why they created that. But yeah, this this effects team like took her idea to the whole other level because she said she didn't even have that in her mind to begin with. <laughs> they were just like, oh, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to make it crazy. And then also, you know, to your point about the Tuskegee experiments, there's also um, the father of gynecology. His name was J. Marion Sims. Yeah, he was... Those, yeah. Um, one of the most famous American surgeons. And the reason why we have the innovations that we have in gynecology is because he experimented on his female slaves. Uh Um, And so that goes hand in hand with this history of black bodies being abused for the sake of the greater good. Uh Um, And yeah, so, and and also there's this notion that black people don't feel as much pain as your average person. So our pain tolerance is supposedly higher that, Uh you know, not to go on a tangent, but that also goes into the fact that even now at hospitals, black women aren't taken seriously. More black women are likely to die in childbirth. So there's like a whole like dissertation you could write about (laughs) Dr. Hiram Epstein. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Unbelievable. These experiments they did also. Yeah. This episode, like, you know, we keep talking about, and you know, we're talking about the historical references and stuff too of the episode, but even though it had that horror element, um, you know, like you're like you're saying, Angelica, they need to go back and research and read some stuff because there was a lot of moments that people try to gloss over and pretend like it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's coming to like the black community, black people. So yeah, go back and do your research because yeah, they try to they try to knock on a lot of um open up a lot of doors for people in the, you know, in like a creative way. And so maybe some people miss some messages absolutely so definitely look into those things uh i i do like how this show gives you a taste of history everything every horror element is grounded in reality um and i do enjoy that about the show so Mm -hmm. definitely good point there um so yeah so the the baby man thing attacks (laughs) right the the two white boys in the room and the third uh boy is actually taken out by the elevator (laughs) what would have happened to letty happened to him and that was very uh graphic uh yeah it was yeah just also, why did they just stand there i don't know maybe that's just the whole horror movie vibe you gotta go with i mean not like i'm mad but i mean right. he was coming up in there to kill them but i'm just saying yeah i'm not sticking my head in the elevator shaft that's i, yeah. I watch final yeah i watch final yeah. destination too many times to play that game so yeah, that guy apparently not watch it kind of horror yeah i was just confused i mean like i said i'm not saying that because they came up in the house to kill them so but i'm just like i don't understand why he was just standing there i was like okay sir yeah it was it, it was dumb but they they they, they terrorizing us so hey that's yeah. what you get so um items begin to levitate as the ritual begins and it's you know it's like a big old sphere around them of all these books and pictures and then it stops and you're like oh it's over nope the sprinkler system goes off and of course they're wet and they it breaks the circle they they they, they get away from each other and that circle was protection. So uh, Tick and Letty try to escape, but uh, the priestess gets uh, possessed and she chokes out Tick. Letty's in a corner just watching all this play out and she begins to call out to the spirits. She knows them by name based off her research. She calls out like Lucy, you know, Jack, whatever the names are. She's calling out to them, help us, help us cast this demon out, which is Hiram. This is Hiram's house. And 
the priestess falls out and then Tick gets possessed. And he's just like, get the fuck out of my house. Get the fuck out of my house. Get the-. And you're like, oh my goodness, what's going on? You see this face like trying to escape Tick. Mm-hmm. And so the spirits begin to appear and they form a circle with Letty holding hands. Tick's in the middle and they're chanting. And you see the spirits start to go back to their own their former selves. They're not these ghastly, gruesome creatures. They're normal human beings in spirit form. And then Hiram's body leaves Tix and he stands there and he looks monstrous and he's missing an arm. Um, <laughs> and so they chant and they chant and eventually Luddy says, get the fuck out of my house! And he escaped. And, and, and it's, it's over. The spirits go back to the other side and Hiram, we don't know where he goes, but they're gone. Oh, and also we had uh, Shirley Caesar in the in the scene. You said what now? Uh, I said we had Shirley Caesar in the scene. Uh, Satan, we're gonna tear your you're gonna tear yeah we're gonna tear your kingdom down. I had to get a title right, but yeah, Shirley Caesar. Okay. Okay. All right. A little gospel, little 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 priestess, little gospel. We got a little bit of everything in there. Um, and I felt I felt that like when Luddy was just sitting there breathing oh, when it was right, all over. Yeah. <laughs> I was tired. I was yeah, like, I, yeah, we was tired with her. Yeah, that was hard. That was a heavy scene. It was heavy. Uh, so later, you know, the sun is up. The house is back in order. A reporter's interviewing Luddy. You know, she's for being such a pioneer in this neighborhood, for creating a safe ho- a haven for colored people. And they ride the elevator, which is working now. Um, and the reporter asks her, like, off the record, uh, did you know what happened to the three b- missing white neighbors? And Luddy's like, no gets off the elevator takes a picture and then the elevator goes down on its own (laughs) further down into the basement i think it goes even past the basement into another floor and you see them bloody bodies just strewn all down there and i was like oh okay convenient convenient so that's the end of that chapter uh later in the episode which is the final scene tick actually confronts Christina at a storefront and she's speaking to JJ. Now, if you remember, JJ is the name of Luddy's realtor. So they were in cahoots together and quick, uh, Tick quickly discovers that it was actually Christina who was the person that gave Luddy the money. Now, I don't think Luddy knew it was Christina. I think she did dress it up as an inheritance and then she planted um, JJ to sell her the house. But the Winthrop house was a name that Tick noticed carving the painting that her father loved, the one of creation. So Christina decides to tell him, well, Winthrop was one of the founding members of the Sons of Adam. Um, He was banished for stealing pages from the Book of Names. He tried to develop spells by deciphering the language of Adam, and Hiram was one of his followers. So Tick is like, I don't care about this lesson. I don't need this history lesson and puts a gun in her face. Tick. Now you know. <laughs> now you know. So Christina sure. stops them yeah. with her magic and she continues her lesson. She tells them that most do not have the discipline to make their own spells and that they're lucky if they get even one. Her father's claim to fame was um, invulnerability. He thought if you couldn't be harmed, you could live forever. So he removed the invulnerability in order to enter the Garden of Eden. And all the spells of the Sons of Adams were developed from that one page. The missing pages were taken by Titus, and they were locked in a booby trap vault. So Christina wonders, 
if those pages were discovered, they could decipher the language of Adam in its entirety. So she tells, you know, Tick, you know, let me know when you want to talk more about our history. And you got to be more careful. You can't just go around killing white women. And that's what the, how the episode ends. Yeah, Tick got played, Nessie. Tick got played. Um, so final thoughts on this episode. What did you think about it as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of sick of two years. It was very unnerving, scary. I definitely um, always appreciate how they give us the history lesson. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, I wouldn't say it's my favorite episode, but I appreciate it. I'll just go with that. Yeah, it, it was definitely a, a good uh, third episode. I enjoyed it. Um, appreciate the history. Appreciated the the horror elements, uh, and I appreciate the episode because it's actually not the scariest uh, in hindsight. Um, but we'll definitely be back to discuss. Let us know your thoughts. You can reach us at Black Girl Nerds. I'm at Melon and Mommy two eight one six. Ryan, you are at November Bear. So yeah, let us know. Let us know, and we will talk to you guys soon. Next recap is going to be a history of violence. So we're actually going to discover what's in that booby trap. Um, So we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye, guys. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.